It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch. As we kick off a new week here on the Guy Benson Show. Final segment of today's program. Glad to have you here. Well, I was off Thursday and Friday because I was traveling, and that was long planned. It had nothing to do with my breakthrough case of COVID, which we talked about extensively last week before I left. And I was just hoping, praying that I would test negative in order to be able to maintain my plans and go to a couple friends' weddings over the weekend. And fortunately, that's exactly what happened. On Tuesday night, I could tell that the case was weakening, at least in terms of the testing. I was talking to Dr. Sapphire about that, and she said, I bet you're going to test negative tomorrow, Wednesday, which is exactly what happened. Then I tested negative again on Thursday, and following the doctor's guidance, attended an outdoor wedding on Friday and then another wedding, both in the state of Colorado, on Saturday. So big congratulations to Vanessa and Logan and Deep and Harshi, the two couples. Very excited to be a part of your festivities. Adam and I had a great time back in his home state, got to see his parents, and Colorado really is a very beautiful place. But it's just been nonstop. I hadn't been home almost at all over the last three weeks because of all sorts of different travels, New York for Fox and speaking gigs, and I mean, it's been a whirlwind. And in fact, I go back up to New York later this week for more TV, but that's okay. I prefer this to everyone being at home constantly. That is at least my personality. But made it out to Colorado, got through the breakthrough case. All of you who sent well wishes, I really appreciate it. It was short. It was relatively painless. I mean, it was extremely mild. And all the guidance that I got from Dr. Sapphire was just fantastic and much appreciated. Now, I was confused on Wednesday's show before I said adios and took a few days off. I was under the impression that Quiet Wyatt, our associate producer, was headed to Italy this week. Like he'd be gone right now. That's what I thought the timeline was. I was off by a week. He leaves for Italy. We think, we hope, knock on wood, this coming Friday and then is gone next week. His first ever overseas trip. So I was bidding him a fond farewell in Arriva Derci. And then he texted, he's like, no, that's you're off by a week. I said, okay, we'll address this on Monday. He is still here in the USA, but there are some concerns that he might have to stay depending on what the EU might do in response to a Biden policy. Why are you getting worried that this trip might get indefinitely postponed? I, I I was this morning getting worried. I still am slightly worried, but I just saw that the governor of my home state of New Jersey, uh, Governor Murphy, is actually headed to Italy tomorrow. So I feel like if the governor of New Jersey is going to Italy, why can't why I go to Italy? Well, you've forgotten a very important lesson. 
of COVID, Wyatt, which is little people such as us don't get to do things that important people get to do. And so just because a Democratic governor wants to get his Italian vacation in, that does not mean that someone such as yourself, a mere citizen, a mere constituent of his, will be afforded the same privileges. And here's the thing. Let's say the EU comes out with some new travel restriction to retaliate against what Biden's just done. You know that the governor of New Jersey will get some sort of special dispensation to get back home because it's you know a matter of governance and all this stuff and strings will be pulled i'm not sure if the strings will be pulled for a fox news producer the same way they would be for the democratic governor of new jersey that's my my only concern there i know producer christine is convinced that you're going to get to go to italy but then you're going to get waylaid and you won't be able to come back and she's going to be i mean she was borderline threatening on the call earlier today christine What's the deal here with this paranoia? You know, if Wyatt gets stuck in Italy, he will just shift his work hours and he will do his job from over there, if need be. I know he will, and he is awesome, but obviously we're not going to make him do that if, God forbid, he gets stuck in Italy. Uh, You did say on the phone call today that you would prefer me not to threaten the other staff. So I will be. And it's just really for your sake, right? Just in case HR is listening, I just feel like uh, open threats on the air, probably not great, right? Not what I would advise. No, I mean, you're my best friend. You're looking out for me. I appreciate it because if God forbid (laughs) I got suspended, then what would happen? You know, who's going to make those sparkly Instagram story posts? Well, I I think Wyatt might be able to just take the whole thing over from Rome, and we'd be fine. But, yes, you're indispensable, Christine, naturally. We we will affirm you in that just so we can move on to our next subject, which is a voice that has been absent from this show now for weeks. And for aficionados of the home stretch, some may be wondering, where the hell is Max? Because Max is a frequent contributor to these nonsense conversations that we have at the end of every show, but not for the last few weeks. And that is because he was at a wedding a couple weeks ago, so he was off for a couple days, then back briefly, then on vacation for a week, and then sick for a week. And it was, I mean, I had the breakthrough COVID case. He was much sicker in terms of actual symptoms than I was. COVID negative. It was not COVID. There are other illnesses that still exist. I know sometimes we kind of lose sight of that when we're all focused on one huge issue. But Max, it sounded like you had a spectacularly fun week followed by a spectacularly awful week. Yeah, life comes at you pretty fast, guy. Two weeks ago, I was having the time of my life living in a mansion beach house for an entire week, eating lobster and other delicious seafoods. And it it was just fantastic playing tennis, going to the beach, going swimming in the pool. I was living the dream. And then that Saturday, the day when we were supposed to come home, I kind of woke up with like this really wicked neck pain and then like a headache immediately after that. And then from then on out, I had the worst symptoms I've had in a very long time. And it wasn't COVID symptoms. Like I didn't have COVID. It wasn't like I lost taste or I didn't lose smell or anything. Yeah. It was just like a really bad headache, awful fever, got up to 103. Yeah, 103 is serious. That's up there. So it was just from the highs to the lows. 
and I'm still like 99%. I'm not 100%. I have like, you know, the little smooth jazz voice going on right yeah, now. Yeah, it's slightly it, weak voice. It, I'm not 100% max. But maybe well, by tomorrow, I'll be back to full max. Max, max, perhaps? Yeah. Max, maxed out, if you will? Max power. But you're not quite there yet. Now, how much, because she claims to be your best friend, how much love and care and attention did you get from producer Christine? Did she send you care packages? Did she cook for you? Did she offer to come into the city to, to bring things to you? Because when I was sick, I had friends bringing me stuff. Uh, your dear, dear friend Christine, what did she do to help you get through that series of trials and tribulations? She reached out a few times. I got to give it up to Christine. A little round of applause. Uh, one time, I didn't threaten him. One time she called me drunk, I think. At least she no. was slurring some words. No. no. Uh, but she, I, I think you were on the mama's juice. You said you, you, you've had a little mama's juice. But no, it was all in, uh, in good taste. And uh, I do appreciate that, Christine. You, so you she really, uh, reached out. She yeah. reached out and didn't threaten. That is different than a proactive offering of assistance and help. But at least it's something. I will give her credit for that. And now you're back. And... Let me ask you this, because this is actually a test of how fun the previous week was. Did it make the second week worth it? Which is to say, like, if you had a choice of going through what you went through, which is the amazing week, then the horrible week, or just working two normal weeks, which would you choose? I don't know. Last week was miserable. Like, I don't get sick often, and this just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, I mean, you've been producing and you've been running the board for this show and even the predecessor show Benson and Harf now for years I don't remember you getting sick for maybe more than like a day or two when it was just day after day after day and you're like you know by Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it was you're like yeah the fever is 103 so I don't (laughs) think I'm gonna make it I was like whoa that is serious so it sounds like sounds like that second week was bad enough to to cancel out that first week yeah of it, it fun and pleasure that that first week was almost like moot like oh, and i well, haven't been sucks. to that house in like two plus years because last year with covid they're a little hesitant so we finally got to go and it was so much fun and then just and the wham, party was over yeah, yeah the party really ended real fast. fast uh well that's a bummer but i'm glad that you're feeling much better we're glad to have you back here in the seat uh, you know, running the board uh, with all of your tricks and talents extraordinaire. Producer Christine, before we go, do you have any quick curious Christine questions either for Max about his illness, because that's certainly something I'm sure he loves talking about in front of the whole country, or uh, the wedding weekend that I just wrapped up in Colorado? I don't have anything for Max. I mean, Max, you also, one more thing, you got to give it up. I only asked you maybe once Per day, when are you coming back? I thought that was pretty good for me. <laughs> At least you were thinking um, about me, Christine. Yeah. Always. Always. Always uh, thoughtful. I, always thoughtful. Um, I have to give it to you. You are a trooper because, you know, you were COVID positive and then you, you tested negative multiple times before you went out there. Now, was anybody listening to the show that was in the wedding or at the wedding and were they worried that you were there or was everybody just so happy you were there? I think everyone was chill about it. We talked about the whole situation with a number of people and they were great about it. And I think 
when you are in constant consultation with a doctor and then you test negative multiple times, then you've got all the antibodies that you could possibly want. I think that that's reassuring to a lot of folks. So, you know, I was I was good. I wore masks where I was required to wear masks and in very confined spaces, not just airplanes, elevators. That's what Dr. Sapphire had recommended, but in bigger indoor spaces, open ballrooms and that sort of thing, or especially outdoors. Um, I didn't wear a mask. I was very transparent and had an outstanding time. I took it relatively easy, right? I wasn't drinking that heavily at either of these weddings. Part of that was just like, look, I just got over this illness. I've been traveling a lot. We've got a wedding tomorrow, or then the next day we're flying, and I didn't want to be hungover on a plane, which is just the worst. And so I just took it easy. Also, I was at altitude, right? So your breathing is affected even when you're 100% healthy. Getting back to the gym in Colorado and exercising in Colorado is always tricky, but I did it, and it was not my favorite thing ever, but I felt like I had to do it. And then having too much to drink at altitude will just be a big, a big problem for you. It'll set you back. So I made a policy of consuming huge amounts of water while I was there, and I feel fantastic. I feel great. That's amazing. Well, I just want to say I'm so happy my three best friends are all back. And, uh, Wyatt, I, I promise no more threats or potential threats on yeah, you, we'll, your we'll life, We'll see how long vacation, that promise nothing. lasts. Yeah, that's, that's what she's saying now. But if things get dicey, the panic will ensue. And I think that promise might be on the rocks, might be a little shaky. Because she'll promise things, I think of French onion soup, for example, and then not follow through. Just a cautionary tale. We're done with the Monday edition. I'll be on special report tonight on the panel with Brett Baer. Back here on the radio tomorrow, it's the Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on the Tuesday edition. A very busy one at that of the Guy Benson Show. Glad to have you here. All three hours, and if you missed any of it, you missed quite a lot, especially today, GuyBensonShow.com, free podcast right there, on demand, as always. As we enter our final segment today, I want to talk about something that happened at my house over the weekend. So, Producer Christine, you recall, we told the story yesterday, once I was cleared by the doctors and I had tested negative twice for my breakthrough COVID case last week, I went to two weddings as scheduled in Colorado. So I was gone for even more days in a row than I had initially anticipated because I had New York a few weeks back and then Indiana, then Idaho, then Texas, then Colorado. And I think in that entire stretch of three weeks, I spent maybe two or three total nights in my own bed, which was not the way we drew it up, but the quarantine had to happen. In any case, something that I had to miss here at home was my cousin's engagement party because that had been delayed by roughly a year. She was supposed to get married last fall, and then, of course, COVID happened. So they punted the wedding an entire year. So she'll be getting married in November. So congratulations in advance to Emma and Max and their belated long-delayed engagement party was scheduled for this weekend, this past weekend, I should say, 
where I was already double booked with weddings basically on the other side of the country. So I couldn't make it. Adam couldn't make it. However, the rest of my immediate family, my parents, my siblings, they were committed to come down because this event was going to be taking place not too far from here, maybe an hour's drive in Maryland from our house. So they had asked, you know, can we stay with you even though you won't be there? We said, no problem. So we got the house all ready and they arrived. And it was a funny thing because over the course of the weekend, we were out in Colorado and we were getting text messages on occasion or phone calls, just little questions about this, that, or the other, setting the house alarm. I got lots of texts and details about my dad wanting to clean our grill, which apparently was not clean enough. So he he cleaned it. We got lots of play-by-play of that. There were detailed instructions about watering plants. We got more than enough information about the goings-on, sort of the small picayune goings-on here at the house while we were gone, also knowing that we were going to miss this party in Maryland. What we did not know until after it happened is that my parents threw a party at our house while we were gone, without our knowledge. Now, this was not malicious on their part. At least they claim it wasn't malicious. What happened was everyone seemed to have assumed that someone else told us that they were going to do this. Because, as I mentioned, they were in very close contact with us about a whole variety of issues. Let's say small and even smaller. But on the bigger issue of, hey, 12 people are coming to the house for a big brunch on Sunday, we did not get that until an after-action report. And only because I asked. At one point, we called the house just to give them an update about our flights and everything. And my dad said, yeah, we're just finally getting cleaned up from everything. And I said, what do you mean, cleaned up from what? What's everything? He said, oh, the, the party, the big brunch. I said, I have no idea. He's like, well, Adam probably knows. I said, Adam, did you know about a party today? He said, no. So you can sort of picture them all looking at each other. Did no one tell them? Did we ask? No one asked? I wasn't mad at all. I mean, we love hosting. We love the fact that our family and friends are using the house and everyone's enjoying it. Not mad, in the least. Just wildly entertained that this whole thing had gone down pretty elaborate, apparently, with my brother and his girlfriend cooking a huge brunch and people driving in, and I'm trying to figure out where everyone parked. I mean, mean, this wasn't a rager, right? It's not like this was a huge kegger or something on Saturday night. Nevertheless, and we slowly but surely started to put together a few context clues. It was never explicitly told to us that this was happening, but... My brother mentioned at one point that he had given Roy, our dog, a little piece of steak to help placate him because he would bark whenever anyone would arrive. And then thinking back, we're like, well, who would have been arriving? Aha, party guests. In any case, apparently it was a huge hit. Everyone had a great time. They cleaned everything up, spick and span, no problem whatsoever. It just sort of gave me this vibe of a role reversal. I was not the type of kid, this may come as a shock, I was not the type of kid in high school to wait for my parents to go out of town for something and then throw a big party at my house. I was extremely risk-averse on that front. I didn't really drink at all in high school either and just seemed like all around a bad idea. I did not attend very many parties where things like alcohol were present, maybe, you know, occasionally. But 
Hosting? Absolutely not. And you think of these scenes out of movies, right? Risky Business and many others, where these teenagers go to extreme lengths to try to avoid getting caught of having done something. I know it's not quite the same, but Ferris Bueller, another classic in this overall genre. In this case, it was the kid, me, whose house was being used, and I sort of enjoy, even though this is not the case, I sort of like to think about a scenario where this was sort of a secret party, and they were going to try to conceal it by cleaning everything up perfectly. Where they had their secret little shindig, their rendezvous, without my knowledge or Adam's knowledge. And I was like, I feel like just a few years ago, we might have been in different roles here, coming at this from a different perspective. But I guess life goes on and roles adjust and shift. (laughs) So we had a very good laugh about all of this. We got back Sunday night. My parents waited up for us, which was nice. Had a little bit of a very late dinner and swapped some stories. And the house is fine. We haven't found any major stains or cracks in the walls or anything else. No word on whether my aunt or uncle was overserved, or I mean, you know, who knows what scandalous things may have taken place. But they've covered it up very well. So hats off on that front. Christine, I am curious. Were you the type of wild child that would throw secret off the books, not allowed parties when your parents weren't around? Never, ever, ever, ever. Um, I know I'm probably more of a wild child, and I'm no child now, than I ever was as an actual kid. My father was a very, very strict Italian. And if my father looked at me the wrong way, I would cry. So I never, ever wanted to be in trouble. I was the person that was home maybe a minute or two before curfew to make sure that I was not going to be in trouble. So I never threw a party. Even when my parents went away, I don't even think I would have a friend or two friends over because I'd be too scared that they would find out. Is it possible? It sounds like to me that you have somehow gotten less and less responsible as you have grown older and supposedly wiser. How is that possible? Uh, you know, we're not really sure. A couple of my friends, my husband and I, we've talked about <laughs> we. this. Because they always say, they're like, Chrissy was so responsible. And, like, she was terrified, you know, to do a lot of things when I was younger. And my husband's like, I don't, I don't know if that worked out well. Because now she rebelled against me at, in her 30s. <laughs> well, and not even 30s anymore, as we all know. Thank you. You had the big Thank 4-0 you. recently. I just, I just want to be careful about facts, right? We, we try to be accurate here on the show and, and somewhat assiduous, and so I just had to note that for the record and for posterity. But I'm actually surprised a little bit because I understood that you had a strict dad and that sort of thing, but if I'm not mistaken, you grew up sort of in a farm setting, a horse farm. We all know the terrible, tragic story of Carousel the Pony that you had liquidated, but it seemed like your house was sort of remote a little bit remote you had some land almost like a great venue for a party where someone wouldn't 
be likely to call the cops, like a neighbor or something. You'd have some space. Maybe there was a barn that you could go out for the drinking. That seems like an ideal setting if you're going to do that type of thing. It actually was. I lived, it was 27 acres, and we had two barns. We had a racetrack. We had riding rings. No, it was a gold I mean, mine. Just, gold mine. Yeah, it would have, and all my friends would say this to me. You know, my parents would go away. So when they went to Florida or wherever, um, my friends would say, they will never find out. Like, please, like, can we have a party here? And I, my sister and I, my sister was a rebel in high school, but not with that stuff. You know, um, no, we just, I'm telling you, my father, you know. He ran a tight ship. he, He ran a tight ship. Don't forget, I wasn't allowed to go away to college. I had to go to, like, stay home. Like, my father was very strict. When I moved in with my husband, my father didn't speak to me for six months, refused uh, to talk to me at all. So my mother had that must have been sort of had a relief, move it over, a relief to him for a period of time, at least, you know, <laughs> just sort of recharge the batteries a little bit. But <laughs> uh, look, I, I think it is very funny to picture you in high school. And if early indications tell the story at all it sounds like the daughter that you guys are raising will be a very good upstanding citizen that's how she's been so far megan and so let's just cross our fingers and hold our breath for the teenage years i also want to make clear in telling these stories and making these jokes here at the program we are not endorsing high school parties with alcohol or underage drinking (laughs) absolutely not we always say in fact the happy hour sponsored by the finished long drink 21 plus only always drink responsibly just want to underscore those two points before the hour is up and the show is over just to keep our bases covered we conclude today's show with the big news that we opened with governor andrew cuomo of new york has resigned Effective two weeks from today, the LoveGov is out. We'll be back here tomorrow. And to the soon-to-be former governor of New York, we say both good riddance and... Bye-bye! We'll talk to you tomorrow from New York, as it happens, on The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show. Tune in tonight on Kennedy. I'll be hosting 8 p.m. Eastern Fox Business Network. This story caught my attention. In fact, I was talking off air about it earlier with Martha McCallum because she and I are buddies when we're both up in Cape Cod. She has a beautiful house up there. My family has a house. And there was a fisherman surf casting off of Nauset Beach, which is the beach that we go to. That's our beach. I mean, not literally ours, but the one that we go to. And he was just, you know, trying to catch some striped bass off of Nauset Beach. And what seems to have happened was he did hook a fish and then the fish got eaten by a shark. And so then he had a great white shark on the line. And the shark starts thrashing. It's not that far from the beach. And beachgoers around started to gather. And we have audio of it. It's mostly people just gasping and being astonished and using words that we can't air on the radio. Because it was a great white shark. Our neighbor, my parents' neighbor, was at Nauset Beach at that time, saw this happen. Then eventually, it didn't take that long, the shark was able to spit out the lure and swim off. To me, I would just, I would let the rod and reel go. 
like just take it. I am not going to try to do battle with this shark. I want no part of this. And someone noted, I think the guy was quoted as saying he was glad it was caught on tape because that's the type of thing no one would probably believe. We had that story recently about a guy who claimed that he was swallowed by a whale. Remember that one? We ever get a follow-up? We get a factor follow-up on that one? I was highly skeptical of that story. In this case, though, there's video. You can find it online. And this is why when I go swimming now up there, I just sort of dip in very, very briefly, very shallow, and get out. Because the great whites are prevalent to the point that a surf caster hooked one at Nauset Beach. I want to shift to an extremely important topic, which is food. It's what we do here on the home stretch quite frequently. And if you listen to our show on the stream, and depending on where else you're listening, you may have heard promotional advertisements for something coming up tomorrow. It is the Field of Dreams game featuring the Yankees and the Chicago White Sox. So a Major League Baseball game at the Field of Dreams in the cornfields of Iowa, I believe. Under the light, it's going to be tomorrow night, it's on Fox. So it's kind of a cool thing, a reference to a classic baseball movie, a regular season game that counts in a very unusual setting. I think it's neat. I'll probably tune in for some of it. But it's becoming this big event. And one of the sort of sideshows to the event is the food that might be available. And look, I have been to the Iowa State Fair, so I know that they can get very creative and caloric with food treats in the state of Iowa. The one that I always think back to was deep-fried butter. That was actually something you could buy. A frozen full stick of butter, battered, deep-fried, then they pull it out of the fryer and they glaze it with like this sugar glaze, and I believe there was some powder as well, powdered sugar. I did not try it because that was disgusting to me. I mean, you know I don't like pancakes or waffles or any of that kind of thing, so deep-fried butter is basically just that, but even worse for you. So I decided not to avail myself of that particular allegedly delectable treat. But these are the types of things you can get at the Iowa State Fair. Turkey legs, Various fritters, deep-fried everything, corn, of course. So the celebrity chef, Guy Fieri, who has a fantastic first name, I have to say. You know him. He's from Drivers. He's from Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, a show that I enjoy. Although it's funny, he loves every single thing he tastes on that show. He's never like, oh, that's all right. Everything's like, oh, oh, amazing, radical, whoa, awesome. He also has that permanently 1996 look about him. It's like he took all of his fashion and grooming tips and they stopped in 1996. Triple D. I actually like his show. I like him. He's apparently a good guy. He does a lot of philanthropic work. So we are not Guy Fieri haters at all here. But he created, I guess he was commissioned to create an all-American food item for this baseball game. And here he is describing it. Actually, you know what? Before we get to the description, we should play the jingle. I'm a sucker for jingles. I love radio jingles. I have jingles from stations that I've listened to growing up that I still sing from time to time. I love jingles. So he's created a food 
product, I think in concert with Chevy, I think Chevy sort of sponsored this idea. Here's the jingle. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Yeah, that's okay. That's a callback to an old Chevrolet jingle, apparently. So you got the gist, though. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie. So it's a baseball game being played tomorrow, and the food is a hot dog, apple pie, pocket type thing. And I'll let Guy Fieri, in his own inimitable style, describe this thing to you. Listen. So what do you get when the mayor of Flavortown hangs out with the cool kids from Motor City? You get yourself an apple pie hot dog. First, pie crust. Kind of roll that out into a rectangle. And then some bacon jam. Getting your bacon nice and crispy. And then cooking it down with a little brown sugar, a little honey, and apple cider vinegar. Apple pie filling. I imagine you probably have an awesome apple pie filling that your grandma used to make. But if you want to get that canned stuff, it's fine to use in this regular hot dog. I'm going to brush the edges of this with some egg wash. And you're going to have to stretch that top piece because you got to work over the top of that hot dog. Give it a little crimp, raw sugar, a little pie spice on top of that. Pop it in the oven, 350, 18 to 20 minutes. Here's the final steps. 50-50 apple pie filling and yellow mustard. Some crumbled bacon. And there you have it, the apple pie hot dog. You're going to dig it. We got the jingle one more time. Baseball hot dogs, <laughs> apple pie and Chevrolet. <laughs> So I had forgotten, in case you were not clear, the, quote, mayor of Flavortown is himself. Just in case there was any confusion about that. I will say this. He sort of had me all the way up until the very end. So if you are trying to picture this in your mind, because after all, it's radio, let me paint a picture for you. Have you ever gotten an apple pie from McDonald's? Right, it comes in that little cardboard sleeve. It's maybe six inches long, like six by two, something like that. Very hot. Got to be careful. You're going to burn the roof of your mouth on that thing. You just blow on it a little bit. And it's got that sort of rich, flaky crust. And then apple-related activities inside. They're very sweet. I think they're actually delicious. I haven't had one in years, and now I'm sort of craving one. So picture an apple pie from McDonald's with a hot dog inside it sort of it's like a pig in a blanket just with a full-length hot dog and then this sweet component to it that's what it looks like and my initial reaction was no thank you then i heard him describing it and i was shall we say intrigued my likelihood of wanting to try it was increasing as he spoke with the various ingredients but then at the end when he said it's 50-50 on apple pie filling and yellow mustard, the yellow mustard really threw me off. See, because if it was just the apple pie with that bacon jam, that sounded amazing. Like, I will 100% have the apple pie with the bacon jam. I wasn't totally sure about the hot dog being included in there, but just for the sake of the novelty and the baseball connection, fine. But I remember thinking to myself, this may not be that bad, especially if you're not, because we have debated a stupid number of times, condiments for hot dogs. What do you put on a hot dog? I like relish. I like brown mustard. I like ketchup. Sometimes onions, sometimes kraut, but those are my big three. I would not want any of those three things on a hot dog apple pie. I feel like the savoriness is the hot dog. Everything else should be more on the sweet side. 
You don't need dipping. You do not need mustard, in my opinion. So if the mustard is built into this thing, that makes me less excited about this as an option. Would I try a bite of it, like maybe cut off an end and just try it for the sake of it? Probably. Like it does not completely repulse me. But I sure would like to try it without the mustard in it. Maybe mustard on the side. You can see, does this taste profile work? But, I mean, he is the mayor of Flavortown. So who am I to question this elected official whose entire expertise, self-described, is flavor? Max, I will come to you first. Yes or no on this thing? Yes, but I don't think I would buy it. If someone offered to pay for it for me, I would say yes. What would you be willing to pay for it? Like, what would be a reasonable price for you to try this? $2. $2. You can't even get that for a regular hot dog. Yeah, I know. Originally, I thought this was kind of like a apple pie with hot dog bits in it. Almost like beans and weenies. You remember beans and yeah, weenies as a kid? That seems worse to me. Yeah, but since I saw the shape and how it's kind of prepared, the idea you of would a try McDonald's... It. Apple pie, I do like that idea more. What about the mustard thing? No. What I thought would be a good idea, though, although I don't personally like apple pie with cheese, but if they put, like, cheese whiz instead of the mustard. Or, like, a little cheddar? Something like that, yeah. Okay. I also wonder if a spicy brown mustard would actually be better than just the yellow mustard. I don't know. Spicy apple pie, though? But hot dog apple pie? We're already in a weird place. (laughs) That's true. Christine, your thoughts? Oh, I'm allowed to ask. I'm allowed to answer this because usually you tell me I'm disqualified from any food talk. No, you're not disqualified. You're just often wrong. Oh, okay. So I have an idea. Let's get rid of the hot dog and put like a sausage in there. I think that would be a good, better for the apple pie. I don't disagree, and I do think <gasps> bacon. If you leaned more into the bacon and less into these processed tubular meats, I think I would like it even better as an idea. But that then takes away from the hot dog. I mean, it's in the jingle, Christine. It's a baseball thing. And you have a hot dog at a baseball game. I think that's why you have to have the hot dog in there. Wyatt, I would guess that you're a no because you're a very picky eater. However, hot dog and apple pies are both very basic things. So you combine them. I say there's an off chance you're a yes. I am a yes, uh, mostly because I do like both of these things. And, I mean, does it get any more American than this, apple pie and hot dogs? Oh, like, I mean, in, in fact, and you're you're forgetting two different things. In fact, let's listen. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. And a little catchy jingle. That's America, folks. Go Yankees tomorrow. Maybe the bullpen won't melt down in the corn stalks. We'll see. Back here tomorrow on the radio. Kennedy tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, Fox Business Network. I'm Guy Benson. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Happy hour. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals 
to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Here on the Guy Benson Show. Glad to have you here. Let's talk about emojis. There are a lot of people that I know who seem to text and communicate almost exclusively in emojis. I'm not one of them, but I do use them. I don't use them as aggressively perhaps as I used to, but I use them. They communicate things. And on my iPhone, at least, there are so many options and you can convey so many things. There's a Wall Street Journal story That got my attention a few days ago. Here's the lead. A smiley face isn't always just a smiley face. Behind the yellow, wide-eyed emojis grin lurks an intergenerational minefield. The ubiquitous emoji means happy, good job, or any number of other positive sentiments to most people over the age of about 30, i.e. yours truly. I'm in my mid-30s. But for many teens and 20-somethings, the youngsters, the youths, youths, a smiley face popping up in a text or email is seen as patronizing or passive-aggressive. So they quote a 21-year-old who's an intern who says, quote, I have to remember that they are older, talking about her colleagues, when she gets a smiley face emoji from one of them, because I use it sarcastically, she said. There are so many emojis, and Gen Z can never take things in a simple manner. The communication confusion doesn't end with just a smiley face. People of different ages take different meanings from lots of little drawings that substitute for words in so many texts and emails. The rise of emoji use at work, such as between remote teams during the pandemic, has created more misunderstanding than ever, says one expert. People over 30 generally use emojis to convey what the images always did, whereas younger digital narratives might ascribe sarcastic meanings to them or use them as shorthand for an entirely different thought. So this could lead to issues, right? If you have an old fogey like me at 36 who sends someone a smiley face, assuming that means good, happy, positive, which would make sense. And then you get something back from an intern. We have interns here again. Like if we got a Guy Benson show intern who's like 19 or something, 
And she uses that emoji only ironically because her generation only uses it ironically or sarcastically. There could be needless miscommunication and anxiety through the use of these emojis. There's one emoji in particular that's confusing to me. It is the upside down smiley face. Have you seen this one where the eyes are at the bottom and the smiley face kind of looks like a frown? It's just the smiley one fully 180 degrees. What does that mean? Max, you're youngish. Help, <laughs> help me. I think that kind of means like a very sarcastic, like, oh, like, great. Because I don't know, it just, it's like a smiley face just upside down. So I feel like it's just a very sarcastic kind of feel to whatever they're saying. Right. So it's probably not going to indicate true positivity. Right. But I think that's more on the sarcasm side. That makes sense to me because the smiley face is upside down. But if the smiley face right side up is also sarcastic and means the same thing, it does get to be a bit of a minefield. Producer Christine, who's by far the oldest member of our team in her 40s, uh, she really wants to get in on this. Do you know what an emoji is, Christine? I know what an emoji is. and You have a flip phone, don't you? <laughs> no, I do not have a flip phone. But what I was going to say is in this article, it talks about the skull, you know, the. Yes. And we always use, use that for carousel. We do. But that's not what it means. Carousel, your pony that you had killed. Well, no, I did not have her killed, but you you always use the skull for carousel. But actually, it means that you're laughing so hard that you're dead. Well, it, can, it can mean that. But in this case, it is more literal because there's a carousel pony emoji and the skull emoji. And I use those together to describe what you did to your childhood pony. Now, here's a question. If you go to your emojis right now, they've got the frequently used one, like that whole section where it looks like it's, what, maybe 25 frequently used emojis. I think it's 30 now that I'm doing the math. What is your currently, what is your number one most used emoji? Can I go first? Please. A heart. That is sweet. That is on brand. The next one is a wine glass. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> are you are you serious? No, I'm serious. Oh, she's showing it to me. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm actually astonished that the heart beat out the wine glass emoji. Mama's juice. Max, what's your most used emoji? Mine is just a smiley face with the closed eyes. Now, what does that mean? I'm just happy. Okay, it's a happy. But I've also been talking with this girl, so use different emojis uh -huh. when you're talking to certain people. So this one really boosted to the top. Got it. Recently, okay, it's it's flown up the charts. So you use emojis when you're dating? Is this how we court people now? Yes, with only emojis and nothing else. You never even meet the person. Wyatt, what is your most used emoji? It is the smiley face with the the tears coming out when you're laughing. Yes, which. We often use in response to things that Christine sends to the group text. I hate that one. That's well, the worst one. I always feel like when someone sends that to me, they're making fun of me. Probably true. Mine, by the way, the American flag. On the Guy Benson Show, we love America. And we'll be right back. Home stretch on this Thursday. From New York on The Guy Benson Show. Hope to see you tonight as I guest host Kennedy's show, Fox Business Network, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So sometimes Twitter is actually fun. I know for years it has felt like 
a godforsaken hellscape. But from time to time, I'm reminded why I joined in the first place and have enjoyed it for so many years. People play games. And it's not about politics at all. So I saw this viral trend, which was post a movie you've seen more than five times, no explanations, and you would simply post a screenshot or a GIF from that movie. So I decided to use a GIF of Aunt Bethany at the very end of Christmas Vacation yelling play ball after she starts singing the national anthem. She also had a very funny moment earlier in the movie when she is asked to say grace at the dinner table. And it takes a long time for this to be explained to her. Then she finally says grace, and here's what it sounded like. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. They start standing up. Amen. Amen. <laughs> they all join in, and then the amen at the end. Aunt Bethany, a very underrated character in Christmas Vacation. So that was my answer in this Twitter game. It reminded me of another movie-related game on Twitter from last week, I believe, where the challenge was to describe your favorite movie in a short sentence and be as boring as possible. So sort of underselling it while still making it technically accurate. So my answer to that challenge was, main banker retires in Mexico. Which is, spoiler alert, although it's been decades, so I think the statute of limitations is up, the most boring way I could describe the Shawshank Redemption. One of the famous lines from that movie is from Morgan Freeman. Get busy living or get busy dying. We like to get busy living here at the Guy Benson Show. All right, Wyatt, what is a boring description of your favorite movie? So I have a boring description of, of the movie, but I did the part where you post the, the screenshot of the gift. Okay. And one of my favorite movies, I was actually watching the other day because it was just on one of the movie channels on, on cable, is Step Brothers. I think that movie is just the best. Is that Will Ferrell? Yep. And my favorite part is when they say, did we just become best friends? And they're best friends throughout the rest of the movie. I think we have that clip. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John John Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. And I think we hear a little bit of, is it... Huey Lewis in the news. Hall and Oates. Yes, starts. Yeah, it's Hall and Oates. I knew it was one of those '80s bands. I have seen the movie, but it's been a while. I think I saw it once. I think my dad really liked that movie. Actually, all right, Max, describe your favorite movie, but boring. Two dim-witted people deliver a briefcase to a stranger. Two dim. Aha. Play the clip. What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together? Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say. We really don't... Hit me with it. Just give it to me straight. 
I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> Classic. Dumb and dumber. That's Jim Carrey there, right? Yeah. Yes. Christine, your favorite movie, but make it boring. A New York City lawyer travels with his fiance to Alabama to help a family member out. One of the greatest comedies of all time. Roll it. What about these pants I got on? You think they're okay? Oh! Imagine you're a deer. You're prancing along, you get thirsty, you spot a little brook, you put your little deer lips down to the cool, clear water. Bam! A f***ing bullet rips off part of your head. Your brains are laying on the ground in little bloody pieces. Now I ask you, would you give a f*** what kind of pants a son of a who shot you was wearing? I believe an Oscar-winning performance there. Yes, for Marissa Tomei. I love, there's a lot of well-placed profanity in that movie when the judge again holds Vinny in contempt. I'm holding you in contempt. He goes, there's a bleeping surprise. And he's in that ridiculous costume that he had to buy because of the mud. Oh, that movie is fabulous. All right, well done. Yeah, I would say I would say City Slickers tour the South to help families. Yeah, so similar. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, I thought this was sort of a fun thing to do. You can think about how at home you would describe your favorite movie of all time in the most boring way possible. This is such a good, like, you know, around the table it is. conversation to have, you know, over the weekend, some beers with Fred or whatever. I guess you could just not have the beer, but. Or wine at one of your dinner parties. Yeah, or the long drink. Whatever. Just <laughs> exactly. drink. This is, it is, that's that. Thank you for that advice. Dr. Cookie. Just drink. Doctor's orders. She's not a medical doctor. I just I had to like throw that in there as a little disclaimer. So I got this wrong last week. I thought that Quiet Wyatt was going to be gone this whole week on his vacation. His first ever overseas vacation. In fact, he leaves tomorrow for more than a week in Italy. So I wrongly bid him arrivederci like last week. I am now going to accurately do the same thing again. You've never been out of the country, Wyatt. What percentage excited versus nervous are you? And what are you looking forward to the most? Um, I am like. 200% excited. I'm still a little nervous because I'm not going to be content until I'm actually there because I'm concerned about all these restrictions and COVID and this and that. But once I step foot in Italy soil, I will feel content and happy. And what I'm looking forward to the most is I've been booking certain things as we get gotten closer to the trip. And so I booked a, 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 uh, a boat so me and my brother are going to go on a boat ride that we get to pilot and, and drive ourselves in the Capri. So it should be fun and interesting. And you're flying into and out of Rome, I assume. You will eat very well. I can guarantee you that. It's hard to eat badly in Italy. I mean, it's, you can be unhealthy, 
but the the food's just amazing. And just Wyatt, one piece of advice, be on the lookout. I'm not quite sure how the schedules are all lining up, but be on the lookout for Kennedy. Kennedy is in Italy right now. So we could have a little quiet Wyatt-Kennedy reunion, potentially, if things work out. Just keep your eyes peeled in the airport for a sharply dressed woman, perhaps in a caftan, and distinctive glasses. I think she might be there with Emily Campagno, among others, too. I think there's like a little trip that I was not invited on, I want to point out. Everyone's going to Italy except for Guy. I'm not bitter about it. I've got some trips planned. But seriously, Wyatt, have a great time. You've earned it. You've done an amazing job. This is your first big, really, vacation you've taken in two years. First overseas trip. I'm so excited for you. I'm slightly jealous, but mostly excited. Like, 200% excited and a little bit jealous to sort of mirror your answer to me. Have a great time. We'll see you on the other side. And one other note before we go. It's not the last farewell of the week on The Guy Benson Show. A more significant one coming tomorrow around this time. Just a heads up, you don't want to miss it. You also don't want to miss Kennedy. I'm in for her tonight because she's in Italy. Filling in on Fox Business Network, 8 p.m. Eastern. I will see you then. Talk to you tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on this Friday on The Guy Benson Show. And yesterday during the home stretch, we said Arrivederci to our friend, and colleague, Quiet Wyatt, who's off to Italy on his first ever international vacation. Very exciting. He's taking off shortly. But we teased during that segment that we had another goodbye to get to today. When we launched Benson and Harf, so my co-host, Marie Harf, and I, that was the predecessor show to this one in a different time slot. That was back in May of 2018. So it's been a minute. It's been, what, almost three and a half years. When that show launched, we had a new technical producer, Board Op, in his mid-20s, had never been assigned to a show before, that got placed with Benson and Harf. And for longtime listeners, and even recent listeners, you know him, Max. Max was our Board Op. He learned as we learned, and he has become an integral part of the guy show. And he's become a friend, a valued colleague. It's really hard to imagine this show without him running the board, as he's done virtually every day. I mean, he's, of course, taken a few trips and vacations here or there. But he's just been a faithful, upbeat, reliable, fantastic, talented member of this team for three and a half years. And I have such mixed feelings about this because I hate to lose him. He's leaving the program. It's his last show running the board today because he's off to the siren song and allure of the bright lights of television. He'll be producing still within the Fox family. He's going over to Fox News primetime, the 7 p.m. Eastern hour, and it's a very exciting opportunity for him. It's an opportunity for him to grow his career and try some new things, and I'm just thrilled for him, but also sad for the show. Because we'll replace him and we're going to make a new addition to the team. We'll hire someone and they'll do a great job and you'll get to know them. And we don't know who that person is just yet. And the show's going to be great. But we're going to miss Max a lot. And Max, just briefly tell us about the opportunity. 
I know you start on Monday, which has to be very exciting, because you've always been pretty open about your desire eventually to move over to the TV side. The chance presented itself, and you're grabbing it. And even though I wish you weren't for my own selfish reasons, I'm glad for you that you are. Yeah, thank you, Guy, and thank you for the kind words. I mean, I'm getting a little choked up over here. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But I'll be moving to TV, like you said. I'll be booking for Fox News primetime, which hopefully will lead into future producing. Maybe I'll turn into Christine eventually. Um, Oh, no. For better or for worse. Aspiration. (laughs) Shoot for the stars, Maxie. But, yeah, this has always been an aspiration of mine. I've been at Fox for geez, like six years now, pretty much right out of college in 2015 up until now. TV was always a goal of mine, and I knew if I worked hard and did my time in radio, this could be a possibility, and now it is. Yeah, It's kind of sad that it happened, not abruptly, um, in the past week or two, but uh, it, it's just weird that this is the last show that I'm on, being in yeah, radio I mean- for, for all this time. And we've just been a pretty tight-knit, close team now, especially with Christine for three and a half years. Wyatt joined us along the way, and Wyatt actually is in the United Club at Newark Airport getting ready to fly to Italy, but he didn't want to leave the continent before he could bid his official farewell, Max, on the air. Wyatt, do you have a message for our friend, Max? Yes, I'm. I'm staring right now out of the out of the, the terminal at Midtown Manhattan, looking and waving bye to Max right now. But I just want to say it's been a pleasure working with Max. He's been an amazing asset to our team and just a wonderful person to work with. And uh, I'm gonna miss him, but but he's gonna do great things on TV. Yeah, he, our loss will definitely be their gain. And producer Christine. You frequently refer to Max as Maxie. You will call him Maxie, like down the hall when you're in the office, which I'm sure he will miss so dearly hearing your voice yelling his name. But joking aside, you guys have worked so closely together day in and day out for years, really getting this show off the ground. And I know that you have some things that you want to say. I, oh God, I didn't think I was going to get choked up and now I feel it coming, but okay. Max and I, I truly feel like we're war buddies. We really started, especially Benjamin Hart from the ground up and it was such a journey. There were days where Max and I, before the days of transcription, where we would sit side by side for hours, just transcribing word for word, audio clips and him and I just, you know, you're in a studio with that person, your engineer and your producers, you know, hours a day together. And he truly has grown so much. He is one of the best engineers I know. He is so, so talented. And I am so lucky because not only is he a coworker, and I know I joke around a lot about this, but he is one of my best friends. And I'm going to miss him a lot. And I don't I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, Christine, I mean, we, we all are going to miss him. And I think his growth is a huge thing in my mind because he started sort of pretty green. He hadn't been in this exact type of role before. He was, you know, very young in his mid-20s. And to think now where he's this indispensable part of the show 
where just hyper-reliable, you know that everything's going to get done the way it needs to get done every single day, no problems, no questions asked, just a well-oiled machine. You know, I'm running all over the place, and I've got a lot of responsibilities. Christine, you know, you are uh, unique uh, in in sort of (laughs) the way that you operate. And Max is just there quietly getting the job done every single day. And it's it's it's, true. The show is going to be great. We're going to keep growing. We have a fabulous audience. You're not going anywhere, Christine. You keep, you keep reminding me of that, almost taunting me. Uh-huh. Like I can, <laughs> you're, you're like you me. can never get rid of me. Uh, but we are unfortunately, for our sake, losing Max again. It's a, a tribute and a credit to TV, and he's heading over to that side at Fox. I said that he would quietly do his job, but I do have to point out, not always. He was not always a shrinking violet. He is willing to make his voice heard, especially on certain topics. You know, his nickname is not anything close to Quiet Wyatt, and I think and I think we have an illustration of that, sort of a look back and a tribute to Max's tenure here on the Guy Benson show. He has not heard this. He's just gonna play it. Max hit it. I never know what to order because all the food is so good. Sometimes I crave ketchup, and that's why I order like an extra side of fries or something. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do enjoy bacon. Tacos, fantastic. Oh. The smells, the taste, the texture. Yes. Everything yes. was fantastic. So I really have a, a new appreciation for sushi. Well, if they're free donuts, then I appreciate them a little more. My hometown is the birthplace of Helvita, Monroe, New York. I'm just waiting for the new uh, salmon-flavored ice cream. I despise truffle. Yeah. Oh, I'm so- so sorry that you're so wrong about this. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Harry put that together. That was my brainchild. I said, Christine, we need that song and we need Max. I said just three or four examples of him talking about food. And obviously they went deep into the archive of Bonus Benson and got a lot in there. And the one when I heard it for the first time this morning, the final version, I laughed out loud at the Velveeta line. I had forgotten about that. My hometown is the birthplace of Velveeta. And I just cracked up. We talk about food constantly in these stupid home stretch segments, which get so much reaction from the audience. They're so much fun. And Max always had a very specific opinion. I mean, an extremely heartfelt and thought through opinion on culinary matters. And we wanted to uh, send you off with just sort of a reminder of some of those highlights. So many fantastic discussions on and off the air. And Max, we're going to miss you. And I'm going to miss you guys. That brought in a tear to my eye. Just, just to let you guys know, you've been more than, than just a team. You guys are a family. I never once been sad to go to work because I knew it was always going to be fun with you guys. And each one of you have taught me various different things. Wyatt, he's just going to be probably all our bosses one day. I mean, that, that kid is incredible. And Guy, you've just like taught me just about like intellectual honesty. You don't say what people want to hear. You just say how it is what the facts are. 
And I always appreciated that. And Christine, well, there's Christine, isn't there? (laughs) No, Christine has taught me so much, and she's going to help me and guide me through my next endeavor in TV. She's taught me so much just about producing, booking, talking, and yelling at callers whenever we take callers, (laughs) and just all the, the memories, the lunches, the get-togethers that we've all had as a team, the Benson retreats. I mean, all those are just memories that I'll have forever. And you guys have just been just so kind and and so nice to me. And I just learned and I've grown with you guys for the past three years. And and that means a lot. That means a lot, Max. And we're basically out of time here. And you just said that the, the montage that we played brought a tear to your eye. What brings a tear to my eye is your wrong opinions on truffles, among other things. They're gross. <laughs> but uh, go have a celebratory meal tonight. I'm sure you've thought it through very carefully. Your new adventure starts on Monday. Fox News primetime helping on their booking team. We will be right back here, same time, same place, same show. On Monday, it's the Guy Benson Show saluting our friend, Max, his last show with us. Have a great weekend, everyone. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to be part of the conversation with me, Brian Kilmeade. I'll talk about the biggest stories of the day and get your take along with some of the biggest newsmakers around. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.